Welcome back to another Ag Watchers. This is probably the final one for the year, 2021. Probably the last one, unless something major happens in the next week and we, we feel we have to cover it. It's probably the last one. Matt, what a year, eh? Huge year. It's been a it's been a uh, interesting year. On balance, pretty good, I think. Uh, it's been enjoyable most for the most part, despite the ongoing COVID issues. But um, yeah, it's been good, mate. Well, I think uh, it's been it's been one of those years where it's been, you know, for, for wider society, pretty pretty woeful year, really. Especially if you live in Melbourne, but for agriculture, pretty good. Like we, yeah. the, only, the only big issue we've seen really is the um, the the labour issue, but that hasn't actually, in terms of the harvest, it hasn't really caused a huge number of issues. So we've managed to sort of uh, avoid that largely. But if I can, you know, hopefully 2022 is the year we get over COVID, but we shall see. So if- I think with that, with, the, with that harvest side, or just the labour issue, I reckon that, pe- you know, people that are stuck for labour have just been trying to get people to help wherever they can, you know. Certainly, I mean, you know my daughter's off doing a gap year, but I had a guy erecting a shed on property, so he, he erects sheds for a living. Does he but, erect um, sheds for a living? <laughs> but comes... Uh, pro- pro- probably get arrested for that in some countries. Yeah. Yeah, true. I'm not sure if I'm missing the joke there, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but um, he... Uh, he goes, oh, through, through Christmas, I oh, normally has a break, but um, he's had to go back to farm to help out with the harvest, you know, so he probably hasn't done it for, you know, 10 years, but, you know, I think people are just grabbing whoever they can get to assist, you know, so it looks like, you know, and some of these grey nomads I've heard have gone out, you know, and done a bit of a stint in the, you know, picking fruit and stuff, so, um, you know, maybe we so, can still get through it. So the idea for today was what's the big things that have happened in 2021 in ag? And what are the things to keep an eye on for the coming year? So what's what's the big thing in, in cattle and sheep? Um, if, you, if you had to pick one for each. Oh, gosh. In here I was with a bit of a thought to, to do a few things. I mean, if you're looking at both of those sectors, the big thing really was the, the, the significant move to rebuild, I think. Um, you know, cattle, it was late coming and it's still been a bit slow, but the rebuild obviously is underway. But um, I think the high prices we've been seeing uh, across the board for cattle, like you've got something like young cattle increased 43% this year and even the heavy steer is up nearly 30% for the, you know, from where it was the start of last year to, uh, sorry, you know, start of the year to, to now type thing. Um, it's... Um, I think that the high pricing is is kind of people know they've got to rebuild and there's is an incentive to rebuild in the cattle market, but I think there's also been a bit of a catch twenty two where it's a bit hard to resist these high prices. Um, whereas the sheep game, they've been much much stronger at um, at the rebuild. Like it's it, it, yeah, there's there's a definite kind of retention going on. Uh, and if you look at the pricing for say trade lambs and mutton, um, they're only up about 6% for trade lambs this time last year and, and mutton's up about 2%. So prices have been a bit more kind of stable. And, and you know, we certainly saw some, some increases through winter, but um, when you're comparing year on year to now, they're, they're not far off what they were. Um, still good pricing, but nowhere near the strength we saw in the cattle market. So I think you know, that's part, part of the reason, I think, why um, maybe there's a bit more of an you know, incentive to rebuild in that sheep space. Um, but I just would, I wouldn't mind adding though, Andrew, like there was a couple of things in the cattle side that was, I thought really interesting. One was the, the, 
growth of the South Korean appetite for our beef, going from um, fourth spot normally as, as an export destination to second spot. They really had a strong year. Um, and the other thing that stood out for me for cattle was the extent of the processor losses. And probably, you know, moving forward, when you said about you know, projecting forward things to look for for next year, I think that's definitely one to keep an eye on. Last time we saw this extending process, or oh, we haven't seen think, this magnitude. Do you think, do you think we'll see processes going bust or consolidation? I think consolidation is what's going to happen here. Um, there, there, there isn't many small processes anymore, is there? They're all pretty large. Yeah, I mean, there's a, so they're, they're, all, they're, all, they're all going to be ones that will be attractive to an investor if they can get it cheap. Yeah, when you say, I mean, the, yeah, there's a, there's a fair few big, large ones kicking around. There are there are still your regional small processes here and here and there, but you know they t- they're tending to be kind of single species type, you know, smaller operations or boutique type operations nearly. Um, but I think there's still room for consolidation in that space for sure. We saw a little bit of it this year. There was an abattoir, a family-run abattoir in Kitan in Victoria that, that got bought out. Um, and we've seen in WA, the Minerva group, the big Brazilian group, have picked up a couple in WA as well. So we're starting to see it. I think that's going to continue into next year because the I, I can't see with the how tight the situation is for cattle. Um, I can't see the processor margins moving fairly quickly into a positive territory at least the model's not showing that um and the the other thing and so for the sheep side i think um you know there's been a bit of a warning sign i think for the live sheep trade we just did the numbers on that for november and i think there was 957 head of sheep transported live sheep transported out of the country in november which is you know coming off the moratorium usually you see some good flows and it's just been nothing going for the month uh, to all those key destinations, and it, that's a bit of a worry from my perspective. I, I do have some real long-term concerns about the, you know, the viability of the live sheep trade in Australia, um, and I don't think the moratorium is helping our reputation at all. Um, and I just well, makes think it that's too, makes, makes it too hard. Yeah. Why, why, yep. buy, why buy for us when there's extra checks and balances in place when you can buy from Somaliland for? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. I've got real. I've got actual real. Maybe we might start to see some of it you know, into next year. I'm keeping a close eye on those volumes and what happens because I do, and particularly for for an industry in, in WA that's so heavily reliant and so isolated from the eastern states. Um, I've got you know real concerns because I do think that that live sheep space carries helps to carry the industry over there, and uh, you know you wonder how it's going to play out over the coming years if the live sheep space eventually dwindles away to nothing how it impacts the WA producer. Um, but the, on you know, the positive sign, I guess, for sheep and, and sheep meat more broadly, whether it's mutton or lamb exports, has been just an explosion in demand from the US, you know, well well above um, normal levels, you know, and that's been persistent. So it feels like there's a changing dynamic to some of the, you know, demand um, out of such a key market like that. So I think that's a great thing for the sheep producer and something to kind of keep an eye on as well, just that growing North American appetite for sheep meat. We shall see. We shall see. Mm. What about what about the grain space, mate, and all seeds? And uh, I guess you could include inputs as well because it's been a big year for yeah, something like well, that. Like if, if we look at the stuff we've been talking about a lot that's got, got a lot of traction, like definitely uh, the, the key thing f- for us this year, I think that's impacted Australian farmers has been that north, northern USA and Canadian drought. Mm. You know, that, that has put a... A, a bit of a, a floor on things like high protein wheat because of the the lack of a U.S. spring crop. 
Uh, but obviously the canola, you know, that's just been, you know, astronomical in terms of the, uh, in terms of the actual uh, pricing levels. And I know, look, no, we've got a we've got a discount to the rest of the world, but that is that is what it is when you've got a record crop and the rest of the world's got a, a premium. I saw but, on just uh, the other day on social media, Andrew on Twitter, you put out a chart showing the increase, like you know, comparing the Canadian export. Um, percentages to the Australian one, and we're, we've certainly picked up some of the slack, but well, not all we, of it. We've we definitely picked. Like I, I, hear, I hear the story that you know we've picked up all of the uh, the void left from Canada. Well, that's that's nonsense, really. Like Canada's down five odd million tons. We're up one point three million tons. So the reality, yeah. Is so that that sounds the, like all of the all of it's been picked up. Is that uh, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and this is the thing. There's probably a gap. Like year on year, you're talking, you know, three point five, three point eight million tons less global trade in canola so when when you lose the volumes that canada's lost you can't replace it from anywhere you know ukraine's up as well in terms of its volume but that's 300,000 or something so the reality is you just you just can't replace canada if they have a drought and i think that's that's the really if we're talking about canola for next year what i'm looking at is and i'll be looking at throughout the first six months of the year is, is what happens in, in Canada and what happens in, in Europe. Because basically we've got, if we look at the end stocks of, um, of canola come the end of the season, you're talking the lowest level of end stocks since you know, 2003, globally. Mm. Not globally, mm. but between Australia, Canada and Europe, which is all you really need to, to know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Between 2000, the lowest stocks since 2003, but the difference is the consumption has changed dramatically. You know, you're talking consumption back then was around about 15 million tons. Consumption now is closer to, you know, 33 million tons. So it keeps everything very, very tight. So if we look at stocks to use ratios, again, lowest since 2003. So everything's really tight ahead of next year. And it won't take much to... Uh, to cause uh, you know a ruckus in the in the canola market or rapeseed market because there's just not there's no pantry left and and I think that's that's a something of concern. Look, the reality is the price signals are there for farmers to to grow canola, so we could see big acreages around the world and, and high prices are the cure for high prices. But just keep an eye on 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 Canada because you know some of the people over there are saying it's still pretty dry, but it's still way too early to say which way it'll go. But we shall see. But it's been a good opportunity for farmers. They've had plenty of opportunities this year to price in some pretty high flat price levels. And uh, look, there's already still some good prices on offer in terms of, you know, if you're using futures for next year. Uh, mm. so Would you say if you had to stack up, you know, the biggest thing this year, though, in the in the kind of broad acre grains and, and the oil seed space, would you put um, the Canadian issue and drought and then the flood after that? Um, would that be a bigger thing than, than say, the FERT scenario in terms well, of the high FERT pricing, or is that well, big? I, well, I think that that's – I'll go on to that because that's not really this year's. I think the mm. other thing as well is in combination with that, the biggest thing that we have in a biggest story for this year for an Australian farmer, which is the majority of people listening to this, is the productivity we've had. You know, we, we went through 2018, 2019 – shithouse crops and then we've got the last two years have been really good crops look there's areas that have been flooded out there's areas that didn't get the rain but overall we're talking record production again 
at a time when the rest of the world has been going through its own issues, which has caused our prices to rise. So it's not often you get, you know, a year of high production and high prices. You know, this is sort of a, the golden duo. And I think that is something that is that is good. We've got low quality around the place, but the reality is we've got a situation where farmers are going to make a fair bit of coin this year, which is good. Uh, and I guess my looking on to next year is, is production in Australia. Do we, we've got La Nina. Does that help uh, East Coast crop? You know, does, the, does the, the rainfall we've already received help things out with a bit of subsoil moisture? Uh, it would be great if we could get three years in a row of fantastic crops, but we shall we shall see. It's twelve months until the next harvest, or uh, but so we don't really know what's going to happen. But I think that is the you you made the point there about fertilizers and chemicals. That is probably the big one to keep an eye on for for this coming year. The reality is the fertilizer price has been really skyrocketing since about you know let's call it mid year. <clears throat> But it hasn't really affected farmers here yet because we haven't really had to actually purchase anything. It's next year that it becomes, or this coming year that it becomes an issue. Uh, in terms of them having to decide what they're going to do as well, you know. Yeah, like, well, you could, uh, you, could, you, yeah. Could, you, could, you could hold off. Like I think I've I've heard a few stories of uh, fertilizer on offer for eight hundred dollars a ton in, mm. in in Australia at the moment. I'm it's, it's it's that's a very low number. I'd, I'd, I'd be, if I was offered that, I'd be doing my due diligence to see if it's to double check it because you can't buy anyone world for that sort of level. Well, you mentioned, didn't you, that um, this might have been privately, but one of those companies in particular offering those very cheap prices only established themselves, was it, in November or something? Yeah, yeah uh, that's, is that that's right? True. So well, it's a, it can't, seems can't. a bit suspicious, doesn't it? <laughs> no, okay, the company's set up all the time. Yeah, so that's. So that's that is, uh, but it's a bit like uh, when you're selling your grain. Yeah, when you're selling your grain, um, you've yeah, got to be careful. If you if you're selling your grain, you got to do due diligence on who you're selling mm. to. When you're buying something, do your due diligence on yep. buying it. Good that's, advice. That's pretty straightforward. If it sounds too good to be true, mm. it normally is. Mm. <clears throat> but you never know. Could, I could be wrong. Yep. Uh, the but on the on the on the reality is that it's going to be high fertilizer price. We're seeing the same glyphosate, really high glyphosate prices, and largely it comes off the back of energy. We started to see some of the gas prices in the US decline a bit. Europe is still up. Uh, China coal is is down in December. Uh, but I think we're unlikely to see low prices for fertilizer or or to see the real price falls until you know, second quarter at best. And I think that's something we just got to be, got to be aware of and, and got to sort of uh, uh, prepare and plan for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that's the key things I'd be looking at for next year is a, what happens with the, the Canadian crop on canola and um, what happens with fertilizer and really natural gas. Uh, and the other one, probably more immediate is what happens in Russia and Ukraine. You know, there's a bit of argy-bargy going on there. Uh, whether that amounts to anything, we've heard, we've seen fears of this in the past. Uh, but if we remember back to when there was a previous conflict between Ukraine and Russia, the Crimean crisis, uh, there was a fairly hefty jump in, in wheat prices then. Uh, probably don't want to get high prices off the back of a, of a conflict yeah, between Russia and Ukraine because... Yeah. Conversely, that will probably increase the cost of our fertilizers as well. 
so so we shall we shall see. But overall, pretty positive for you know at least the next six months. Mm. No, good one. And the and so we've um, we've had a uh, pretty active kind of time with regards to the podcast, haven't it? Like we've had uh, swag. Do you know how many guests we've had roughly? Uh, uh, since, since the start of the year, since the start of the year, we have had forty-seven guests. Hmm. So, so it's been been a really, really good, fun time to to have guests on. Uh, this last month's been a bit busy, but with with other project work and stuff. But mm. now we just want to say again, thank you to to all the guests who've come on, and thank you to all the listeners. And uh, we've we've avoided sponsors. So the, if you want to support this, you know, <laughs> there's two ways you can support it. You know, if you if you see us in the pub, buy us a beer, and uh, and retweet the podcast and share it with your friends and family. So, any other messages, Matt? Any words of wisdom as we as we move into you know, 2022? Well, I got chastised last night for putting out a Christmas message a day early, apparently. So I'm reluctant to, you know, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say to everyone. I, 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 well, oh, I forgot one of the biggest things actually that occurred this year was you paying you paying your bet to oh, me. Yeah, early. Yeah. So. I've got the fifty pocketed the fifty dollars for uh, for Ange Postacoglu surviving uh, six months or so in uh, the the kind of cauldron of Scottish Premier League football. Well, he's and, done, uh, and he's come away with a bloody some silverware. Oh, he's come with a cup. Don't 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 milk it too much. Well, just see so, see how it progresses. It could be a new dawn for um, Celtic. Uh, you know, taking taking out. Uh, you know. Multiple wins over multiple seasons. He might be there for the next decade. Just you know, the, with the success of Celtic, could be could be a rolling bet we have every year. Could be, could be. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I pay my bets. Can't say that you know, you, Scottish people we always pay our bets off. And uh, Callum Blake, Callum Blake in WA suggested that you you still owed him a slab for some reason. So it was very they're very quick to the the you know the the. the Kind of subscribers are very quick to point out that maybe uh, you know you haven't always been as uh, prompt with your payments always, as, as what you're worth. Me, always pay every day off. So I've got a, I've got a message, you know, some philosophical musings as we as we move into the year, and okay. we'll, we'll, we'll end the podcast on this again. Yes. Thanks for all the okay. listeners. Forget the past, you cannot change it. Forget the future, you cannot predict it. Forget the present, I didn't get you. I one. didn't get you one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see you when you got nothing on. Ciao for now.